Welcome in everybody to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni and joining me today is Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source 24-7 a site that covers Arizona State. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, plenty of news, obviously, on the LSU front uh, with Jaden Daniels transferring uh, to LSU and for a lot of LSU fans, they're not sure exactly how to take it. You know, that's uh, some indecision. Obviously, he was so good in 2019. And then, you know, the past two years, 2020 was obviously COVID um, shortened. And then last year was a, you know, subpar year, to, to be honest, to 10, 10 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Um, did have a 65% completion percentage. Um, we'll get into the the past season uh, here in a bit, but let's start with 2019. Let's start with the positive, I guess. 17 touchdowns to two interceptions. What made him so good in 2019 as a true freshman, just kind of breaking onto the scene? Yeah, so I think it was a, a few factors. Um, they made it, the offense pretty easy for him. Um, just um, he came in, had a great uh, spring ball that year. He didn't throw any interceptions in, in an 11 on 11 until the final play of the spring game, which you almost never see from a freshman. And um, and really, they stripped it down. It was a lot of uh, quick game, and then big play shot opportunities, and the the run the run uh, stuff with the RPO first levels is you know, pretty basic. And so. Um, he was confident because he had been a four-year starter in high school and he came in as a super heralded recruit and there wasn't really a competition in, in camp that challenged him. And then Rob Likens, who was the offensive coordinator at the time, did a very good job, I think, of, of uh, making things uh, user-friendly for Daniels. And he had a, a big play threat in Brandon Ayuk, which was a, a, a huge thing when you get a guy like that who can – take the top off the defense and also be as good as Ayuk was at yards after the catch when you get into the ball in the screen game and all that. And, um, and then, of course, uh, the run game was really potent with Eno Benjamin at that time. And so ASC was, was, was run first. Teams had this sort of play up to try to take that away. It created more one-on-one -on -one opportunities and some, some plays down the field. And then Daniels made very good decisions. He was kind of conservative, um, and that's what contributed to – not having as many interceptions, but um, did an excellent job as a freshman. And everyone sort of expected that he was going to be this uh, nationally huge, potentially even a Heisman Trophy type of a quarterback. Yeah, that's that's just going back and looking at the 2019 stuff. That, I feel like that's one of the biggest differences between the 2019-2021 team. The 2021 still had a really good, you know, really strong season um the 2019 just had those other like dynamic playmakers and it felt like he could take a back seat and in 2021 he couldn't take a back seat is that is that kind of fair to say yeah i think uh as as they transition from 2019 to 2020 and then 2021 likens um was lost his job along with a couple other offensive assistants and they decided that they were going to bring in zach hill from boise state and uh Hill has a, a more complex offense. I think he was asking a little bit more of Daniels. And then, of course, they lost Brandon Ayuk. And in 2020, Frank Darby was expected to be the the the, the guy. Um, but he never really sort of transitioned from being just a deep ball to somebody who could uh, 
uh, catch it at different levels and be able to make plays. And he got hurt at the outset of the season against USC. Never in those AC only played four games, but he never uh, really kind of got it back in gear. And, and the rest of the the offensive pieces around them, uh, especially at the wide receiver and tight end positions, were very young and inexperienced. And so Daniels had a lot more on his plate. And I think he started to press a little bit. Now, they were very successful. They had huge wins uh, the last two games against Arizona and Oregon State, two bad teams. And mm -hmm. I think people thought, based upon that, that uh, going into 2021, they would start to get it back to where they were firing on all cylinders offensively. And it never really materialized. I think that he had a regression with his mechanics, missed a lot of throws down the field, um, some, some, some poor decision-making from the pocket, a tendency because he's so uh, dynamic with his feet and his ability to go get first downs situationally that he very frequently, I thought, uh, prematurely would uh, would tuck the ball and, and start running. And um, and even at times when there would be somebody open, that was a second or third progression. And then he started to kind of guess where he should go with the ball as opposed to just going through what the read progression should, should be. And um, so it was like a combination of those things plus – the receivers still having some issues and not having that uh, that signature guy on the perimeter. And they had some injuries. Uh, a couple guys had hamstring problems and, and other mm -hmm. issues that I think also contributed. There was at times some some pass pro uh, stuff. And, 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 and then operationally, they really struggled against BYU, uh, which I think um, it led to a confidence break between Daniels and, and Zach Hill. And that just sort of festered really through the duration of the season. So even though they won eight games, it was a, a pretty disappointing partic uh, season, particularly with uh, the whole passing component uh, uh, based upon what had uh, previously been sort of the trajectory. Yeah, you, you kind of mentioned it, but I mean, just I went through and watched the, the USC game from last year, the BYU game from last year. It felt like a lot of they they tried they tried to get him some easy completions to get him in rhythm um with some the screen game uh the rpo game you kind of mentioned and then it felt like i don't want to say boom or bust but it was like either screen and rpo type stuff or you know shots down the field 30 you know 25 yards he'll take his one-on-one -on -one shots um is is that fair to say did it feel kind of like that to you just boom or bust in a sense yeah they they whenever they really tried to get him going through some more complicated drop back stuff, uh, it just didn't work for, I think, a few reasons. Mostly, I, I just don't think that he had the buy-in to what they were trying to do mm -hmm. based upon what he his perception of the personnel or coaching decisions were. And his, his mother is a very... Um, she's just extremely involved, but almost more so than any parent I've seen. Mm -hmm. And she was given that sort of access into the program by Herm Edwards. And I don't know that, um, that Edwards was ever disciplined enough with Daniels to try to promote him, uh, fully buying into what they were trying to do with him offensively. And, and, uh, Zach Hill, I probably, uh, was too slow in recognizing what some of the strengths and non-strengths maybe were or how to make Daniels feel as comfortable as possible. But I also think he had a difficult job because he wasn't able to push him probably to the degree that he that he felt like he should do or needed to do in order to try to get him 
to to be fully invested. And so that that's one of the questions that you have about him is how what is his buy-in going to be? Is it going to be very seamless? Is he going to be able to pick up things that are a little bit more advanced conceptually, especially when you're going into what is a new scheme and you have one one year maybe left? Um, and I don't know the answers to that, but clearly what has been the case is when he has dynamic, great playmakers around him, which athletically you would figure you probably have at LSU to some degree, right? Um, it, it's a little bit easier. But then when that hasn't been the case and he's been forced to do some things that he's not as comfortable with, he has tended to struggle. Yeah, there there definitely have been concerns um, and on on and off the field. Uh, but I think the 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 one positive and the one thing that LSU fans kind of want to hold on to is, all right, well, if this receiver room at LSU is as as good as you hope it to be, and if the offensive line can get you can get get a hundred percent and get right, then Daniels can kind of go back to taking a back seat. And then the question for me becomes, is he okay with kind of not having to do too much, not having complete autonomy? And that's an interesting, I think, discussion that we, obviously I don't know the answer to, but I think with Keishon, you know, Keishon Boutte and some other talented receivers, at least you hope that it can allow him to keep it simple, you know, tr- try to stay on script to a degree. I think that's exactly what needs to happen. And, and Brian Kelly, his sort of history at, at Notre Dame, I think lends itself to something that could be user-friendly for Daniels um, because when they do have those types of athletes, they have been able to, to allow quarterbacks to not have to really do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, Daniels is not really an alpha type male. Like he does believe in his own ability, but he's not, he's a good kid and he's not going to be a problem in that kind of a way. But um, if he doesn't feel like, the the strategies of what they're trying to do make a lot of sense to him with him and the rest of their personnel. I think then it just it just sort of increases confidence and buy-in sort of challenges that he has there. But um, yeah, I would imagine that athletically they're going to be able to do a lot of kind of more basic screen game RPO uh, design quarterback run uh, and then you know take some shots and. He was pretty good throwing the ball down the field in his first two years. I think that just the, some of the some of what ASU was asking him, I think, contrast to what maybe his personal quarterback coach had been trying to work with him on. And when that happened, he he just didn't sort of he didn't sort of continue on that same track that he was on with his ability to uh, get the ball to where he needed to. And he, he doesn't throw guys open. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't do a great job of recognizing uh, uh, defensive development in the secondary and, and who, where, where somebody's going to be open in, in a zone and, and throwing it, you know, ahead of the, the break and, and things of that nature. So those are potential limitations that I don't think are going to significantly change going into this year, but he is able to run and manage an offense when things are kind of made a little bit easier. And also he has a great ability to scramble for first downs and third down situations and keep chains moving. And um, whenever teams are able to stay kind of on schedule and also uh, the protection, I think is really important for him because if it's good, he, he, he has a, a, a different sort of comfort level 
with hanging out for that extra second or two in the pocket to allow for some of the, the, the route development that otherwise he tends to bring his eyes down and transition into a runner a little bit too prematurely. Yeah, you bring up his legs. Obviously, that's kind of the big difference here when we, when we looked at LSU's quarterback room. Obviously, Miles Brennan is not mobile really to a degree, and Mike Denbrock coming from Cincinnati had Desmond Ritter. So we're kind of like, okay, is, is that maybe part of the reason why you bring Jay Daniels over just uh, because of his legs, if nothing else, to give you a mobile option um, either as a starter or maybe in certain packages just to give you some flexibility and I think, you know, as a runner, you, you kind of mentioned it just from what, again, I, I only saw those two games. But he did run on third downs specifically. It felt like you saw him convert a lot of third downs with, with his legs. And it kind of prevented teams from, you know, playing that straight man to where they're just locked onto their receivers. And so that that's an aspect that I think is interesting with Mike Denbrock coming over from, from Cincinnati. He is obviously different from Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter is bigger and can can probably take more of a beating but i think that could be a, an avenue for for lsu as well when when looking at the quarterback room yeah i think brian, brian kelly and notre dame tended to like to have quarterbacks who were mm -hmm. definitely more on the dual threat side and mobile yeah. and able to scramble for first downs and that's that's definitely one of daniel's strengths but it's also i guess i would say it's a strength that also maybe limits his his ultimate ceiling in a because he has so much confidence in his own ability to go run for it when he recognizes man coverage in those situations that he's actually maybe limiting what his ultimate upside is as a pocket passer and um you know i think zach hill was trying to get him to understand some of these things and uh, help him sort of transition to where he would have more professional upside you know as, as the way mm -hmm. that NFL teams and scouts would sort of view him and um but Daniels I think is very he's very much a product of of uh being like wanting to be within his own comfort zone and wanting to sort of be within what he feels good about and 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 even if it is maybe to his own detriment to the long term and so that's where it's like he he you know for LSU purposes really what it comes down to is are they going to just be able to um move the ball consistently and then score it when you get red zone opportunities. I think that when he's, uh, when things are really good around him structurally and he has a, uh, the chemistry with the coaching staff and the rest of the players, and there's guys that can, they can, um, you know, go get a lot of yards after the catch, um, in quick game and screen game. And then, uh, you can, you know, get behind the defense. Then Daniels is probably going to end up being a very good quarterback when you also layer in, what he does with his uh, his ability to to, to scramble now, um, but it's important to say though that he doesn't he hasn't really shown the ability to extend plays to be able to still throw the ball for completions a lot, and that's that's a major limitation because everybody sees the NFL playoffs like all the guys that are left in the mm -hmm. final four teams or whatever. Pretty much, they all are really good at that play extension ability to throw the ball. You know, maybe yeah. Matt Stafford excluded but um that's where i think the the evolution of the game and what daniel should be hasn't been able to kind of line up with with his where he's gone over these last few years so you know i, I don't know how he gets there i don't know how much that will matter to lsu i don't think that he is going to be a star player like in in his own right 
Um, but he is somebody that can, um, I think, manage an offense that has a lot of potency around him. No, yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it because you you are right. In the NFL, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, go down the list of, of guys that can extend plays but also make the throws that need to be made, which are not easy throws. And especially, you know, in the SEC West, when you're going against Alabama A&M, uh, those are going to be the plays that, I mean, Bo Nix beat LSU single-handedly off of uh, right. extended play like that. So right, that, exactly. that is an interesting aspect of it as well. Um, we don't spend too long on – on this, but you mentioned his mother being really involved uh, just for, for those who don't know, because I did hear that as well uh, going in just what aspects of it were, were she involved in or how, how did she kind of do it and how did it kind of affect the team? Well, so from, from the time that he was recruited to ASU by um, Antonio Pierce and Herm Edwards, uh, it was basically clear that uh, Jane's mom, Regina Jackson, was had a huge sort of role in his life and um my feeling was you saw her all the time at practices she was always known to be in the building uh she spent a lot of time in herm edwards office um she was even sort of privy to what they were doing in recruiting at a level that i don't think almost any other parents i've ever seen have been and she has very strong opinions that she has no problem making clear about what she thinks should and should not be the case with the team's offense and with, with Jaden specifically to try to put him in the best situation. And my conversations with her over the years sort of led me to a conclusion that um, she didn't really, she, she struggled to see his limitations and his flaws to the degree that she needed to in a way that would, um, that she would be able to convey to him. So in order to help him sort of improve, and have some self-reflection about some of the areas that he needed to be better at, essentially. And I, I think that it's really not ultimately her fault. I think primarily it's Herm Edwards is a very, he, he really wants to be liked and he, mm-hmm. and he really um, requires a lot of self-discipline from the players. And so he wants them to kind of take ownership of the things that they need to do and, and, and in order to get better. But the problem is, is that with a lot of college kids, it's just not that simple. That maybe works a little bit more in the, in the NFL level when guys are older and they're they're better and more experienced and it's a professional setting. But I, I think that um, if anything, really the culture kind of failed Daniels because it didn't have that sort of leadership that told not only him but also his mother, hey, um, you know, he's not doing as well as he needs to to in X Y Z areas. And getting on the same page in terms of supporting the offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, and what they were all trying to be. And, and so that – I don't really hold Daniels responsible for that, although there is a level of um, his unwillingness, I think, to really embrace and buy into what's being asked of him uh, or to at least question it enough that it had the, the net effect of contributing to him having a regression type of a season. Yeah. And then obviously there was the the video of the his teammates kind of cleaning out his locker once he entered the transfer portal. Could you tell throughout the season that the teammates had maybe had lost lost or there's connection was lost or anything like that? See, I think that them? yeah, from from talking to a lot of people, uh parents and even players reached out to me unprompted they kind of said that that video was not an accurate reflection of how the players generally felt about him. 
may, maybe a few guys felt that. And so maybe they were the guys who tended to clamor around his locker in that type of a situation. But o- overall, uh, he was he was pretty well liked and respected and people didn't really have a problem with him. There were some questions about his, his overall um, capacity to be like a great leader in the locker room. He doesn't have like a strong voice. He's not someone who's really, as I said earlier, like alpha type guy, which you often see from quarterbacks. Right. Um, But he wasn't anyone that guys really had a problem with or anything like that. Like he's not, he's not like overly aloof or arrogant uh, in ways that sort of manifest in anything that he says or does necessarily. It's, it's much more the case that I think people sort of felt like he wasn't driving them in ter- from a motivational or accountability standpoint in the ways that some of the players felt like he needed to do. But again, as I see it, that's a mostly cultural that comes mm-hmm. from the top and what, um, what, what a quarterback is asked to do or what is demanded of a quarterback uh, from a from a head coach on down type of a level. And I just don't think that was ever really there. And that clearly was reflected in the way that the last year unfolded, I think. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up here. Um, best case scenario for Jaden Daniels, um, again, fr- from just from talking to you and watching the film, Feels like a an offense. I don't want to say catered to him, but an offense that keeps it simple, um, allows the playmakers to make plays. Is more about the playmakers than him, and then he can make plays whenever um, either something goes awry and he can run for a first down, or the the offensive line holds up in protection and he's able to really scan his options and you know get comfortable. And LSU kind of thrives with behind the playmakers like a Keishon Boutte and Jack Fesh mm-hmm. and guys like that um, and allows him to get comfortable. I think comfort is probably the biggest word for Jaden Daniels, wouldn't you say? So uh, that's kind of my evaluation. Would you add anything to that best case scenario wise? I just look at it like Ian Book was successful at Notre Dame, but nobody ever thought he was like a great quarterback, or at least mm-hmm. I think most people didn't think he was a great quarterback. But Daniels can do pretty much everything – that Ian Book can do, but he may not have that as much of an intangible uh, alpha personality type. And so if they can get him comfortable and confident, and LSU probably has even better pieces athletically than Notre Dame at that time, that's the best case scenario because he can be successful scrambling, getting the ball to guys who are able to be playmakers and then connecting on some big plays. There's not going to be a whole lot of um, you know, him, him uh, throwing through widows in, in, against tight zones and hitting third progression reads from the pocket and stuff like that. But again, I don't know that he needs to be able to do those things for LSU fans to feel like the offense in a transitional first year under a new head coach is pretty effective. Yeah. Very well said. Um, Chris, I, I want to thank you for, for coming on and joining me this morning. I mean, this was a great insight to the whole Jane Daniel situations. And I think a lot of LSU fans will appreciate that. So so thank you uh, for that. Um, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Cartman, uh, sundevilsource.com um, for 24-7 sports. Again, does great work for the Arizona State site. Arizona State site. Um, and yeah, Chris, thanks, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, man. Thanks, man.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.